Welcome to the Coventry Vineyard Podcast. Wherever and whenever you're listening, we hope you're blessed by this message. If you want to find out more about our church or speak with someone about Jesus, head to coventryvineyard.org. I want to make some space for us to respond to the Holy Spirit today. And we've made some space. And we can't do church without the presence of the Holy Spirit. And believe me, there have been times when I've tried and fallen flat on my face. And we, as a part of the family of vineyard churches, believe in things like signs and wonders, in miracles, in healing, in the raising of the dead. We believe in deliverance. We believe in a whole load of things that we don't really talk about as much as we probably should. And one of the things is there's a fear that we sometimes have of pressing into those things. Because in the past we've experienced something or we've seen how that sort of a ministry has been misused. And so what I want to do in a safe place like this, but also in a dangerous place like this, I want us to let God be God. And we want that every single Sunday. And we want that every single day of our, of our lives. And our heritage, our ancestry, if you like, is Vineyard Church isn't, I mean, it is just another sort of vegetable in the stew of churches, isn't it? It's just another, another way of doing church. But there's something about our DNA, something about our vision and our values, which is distinct. And if that's a surprise to you, so I just thought we were another, just one of the many, um, then this talk might offend you slightly. Okay? So I want to start with a couple of questions. When have you prayed, come Holy Spirit. Have you prayed that for yourself recently? Have you prayed that for somebody else? Maybe just turn to the person next to you. When have you prayed, come Holy Spirit? And the second part of that question is, and what happened? So our series at the moment is all about come Holy Spirit. So when, just reflect to the person next to you. When have you prayed? Maybe the last time you prayed this, maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe when you first decided to follow Jesus, when have you prayed, come Holy Spirit, and then what happened? So just two minutes. Turn to the person next to you. When have you prayed, come Holy Spirit, and what happened? If you're watching on the live stream, maybe just think about that for yourself, you're in the, in your, by yourself in the room, or is somebody else in the room with you. When have you prayed, come Holy Spirit, and what happened? Okay, so just a very quick poll. How many, just put your hand up if you've ever prayed, come Holy Spirit. If you've ever prayed that. Okay. Jermaine, have you never prayed, come Holy Spirit? You've never prayed? Okay. 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 Maybe, maybe I'll have a little chat. <laughs> Maybe this is the, the talk just for you. So, what happened? When you prayed, come Holy Spirit, did the Holy Spirit turn up? Did the Holy Spirit show up? And what did that look like? What did you expect? And that's really the talk I want to do today. What do you expect to happen? 
Because that simple prayer, come Holy Spirit, is, I mean, it's, it's what, three words. It seems really simple. But we invite the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us all the time. The Holy Spirit is here right now. And when we pray, come Holy Spirit, we're inviting not only him to step in more into kind of our reality, but for us to be more aware of his presence. So today I want to look at what happens when you encounter the Holy Spirit and what happens when we simply let God be God and we kind of move our, our fears and our anxieties, our maybe kind of our, what might feel like our careful, ordered things of this is how we think God should work and say, God, just do what you want to do. You know, there's that whole thing where we prayed, you know, when he, when he comes in the room, um, I picked up the wrong sheet. So we sang about it, you know, spirit of the living God. When you speak and when you move and when you do what only you can do, it changes us, it changes what we see, it changes what we seek. When you come in the room, you do what only you can do. It changes us. And then there's the bridge there later on. It says, when you move, you move all our fears. And when you move, you move us to tears. And I think many of us are afraid of the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we, we have a right to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. But actually we're afraid because we don't want to look silly or we don't want to look embarrassed or we don't pray come Holy Spirit because we are not sure he'll show up and we maybe don't expect him to move. And so what I want to do is, I think what's happening today is that the Holy Spirit wants to address some of our fears. And the other things I think we're afraid of is that second line of that bridge. When you move, you move us to tears. And it's like, I don't want to be in a place where I'm crying and sobbing and there's snot running out my nose. I, you know, I'm, I'm British. I don't want to be doing that sort of a thing in a bunch, with a bunch of people. And so this is a safe place, but this is also a dangerous place. This is a place where the Spirit, we invite the Spirit to, to move. We invite the Spirit to do what He wants to do in our lives. And so, as I've already said in this series, some of us try to live this life of following Jesus without the Holy Spirit. We ignore or we refuse to plug into the power source of our faith. And therefore, we struggle with our faith. So what do you expect? What do you expect to happen? And one of the things is um, our experiences have shaped our theology. So our theology of the Holy Spirit are shaped by disappointment sometimes or things that have happened. Maybe we've been in a, in a room where the Holy Spirit has been moving and things have happened in the room that have made you feel uncomfortable. And that's actually okay. That's more our issues than actually God's issues. Now, sometimes we focus too much on those moments. Sometimes we focus too much on the, the emotional impact. And um, John Wimber, who really shaped the Vineyard family of churches back in the 70s and early 80s, um, he led uh, Anaheim Vineyard, and he used to come over to the UK many, many times and just instill in churches in the UK what it meant to move in signs and wonders and pray for healing and to pray 
come Holy Spirit. And he said this, he said, one of the basic goals I had in mind when this whole thing started early on in the vineyard movement was this. What would God do if we gave him the chance? What if fear or self-interest didn't restrict us? What if the need for control didn't overwhelm us? What would God do? If our own ministries were not the most important issue, what would it be like? If church wasn't all about us, our place, and our ways, but instead was about Jesus and what he wanted to do here on earth, what would he reveal of his heart? What if it didn't matter to us at all what was said about us, good or bad, and the only opinion that matters was Jesus? What would it be like? What if we loved what Jesus loved? And so right at the start of this family of churches, you know, vineyard family, was this cry, what if we just let God be God? And so when we think about this church, and we think about the challenges that we're facing, we think about the season that we're in as a church, what if we let God be God? What if we said, we're not going to just look around at what's in the room, the people that are in the room, the, the situation, the circumstances. We're going to look and move and trust in the Holy Spirit as he leads us into the next season. Because I think what God has for us as we've moved out of the city center and we've moved out to the margins is that the Lord has been in this. And I've kind of been kicking up against that a little bit because it doesn't fit in with all of my own agenda, my nice ordered how I would like church to be. But it felt like the Holy Spirit was leading us and we had to be obedient. We had to let God be God and trust him in this season as a church. And I think what, what he's done is we're in a season of, I don't know, autumn, winter, but there is a season of springtime. There is a season of summer coming. There's a season where we've come out of all that's happened over the last two years and there's a season of thriving. And there's a promise of God and we look around at the circumstances and we think, I don't know if that's going to happen. And we're afraid of what's going on around us right now and we don't press into the promises of God. So what does a move of God look like? See, the power of God is at work. God is moving in places and people. And we call those moments uh, moments of revival or moments of renewal. And what it looks like when God moves, it looks like what happened in Acts 2. And so since Pentecost, we've been kind of, kind of almost like poised over this whole chapter. And so I haven't been able to leave this. And it says this, Acts 2, 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. There's this move of God. The Holy Spirit comes into the room and empowers them and fills them. And they're not like, we don't like this. We're, we're going to kind of try and keep it ordered. They go with it. And there's a reason why we're going with it, because the, they've been waiting for the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said to them, wait for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Wait, because we can't do this life of following Jesus without him. And then later on in verse 14, 
um, Peter stands up with the 11 and he says to the people that have come around because they've been hearing all this commotion that's going on. And he says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. So they've been acting like they've been drunk. And maybe you've been in one of those meetings where the Holy Spirit is coming. It looks like people are drunk. And Peter's saying, it's not that. They're not, they're not drunk. No, this is what, what the prophet Joel was saying. So he goes back to the Old Testament scripture of Joel. And he says this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a monumental part of Old Testament scripture. And Peter's saying, that's what's starting to happen. As the Holy Spirit comes into the room, the Holy Spirit filled these people. This is what's starting to happen. And he goes on, he says, God has raised this Jesus to life. We're all witnesses of it. He's exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. He's saying this resurrection, we prayed about that, we sang about that earlier, this resurrection power that can empty out a grave. That's the power that's available to these people here and is available to us. The promised Holy Spirit has been poured out. That's what you see here and now. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? Then he says, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. There's a promise of the Holy Spirit for you and for me. He says, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And as we look around, we think, well, actually, things haven't changed all that, all that much. The generation in which we live, the culture in which we live, it feels like there's some corruption and oppression all around us. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And then later on, just to finish this section, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, but it was really the Holy Spirit. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in the homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what does a move of God look like? I think it looks like that. And that's what I've been praying again and again and again. And my invitation to you is that you would be praying that again. That we as a community would be praying, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill me? Would you fill us? Would you do what you did in the past? 
And would you remove our fears? Would you help us to focus on what's most important? You see, in the early days of the vineyard, uh, thousands of people came to faith in Jesus. And there were various, what we might call, manifestations. Times when, when the Holy Spirit filled people, people might have looked drunk, they might have shaken, trembled, they might have cried out. People might have wept, they might have been moved to tears. People might have laughed, people might have fallen over. And if you've ever been in one of those moments, it can be exhilarating, but it can also be a little scary, unless it's explained properly. I remember somebody saying to me, you know, the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. He won't do what, he, what you don't want him to do. And that's a lie. That's just not true. The Holy Spirit is not a perfect gentleman. We might want him to be. We might want him to do what we want him to do. But we have to let him be him. We have to let God be God. And so the first time that the Holy Spirit came into the, move, into the room in a, in a, on a, a mothering Sunday in a hall like this with a bunch of maybe 50 or more people um, and the Holy Spirit came and people fell and people trembled and people wept. John Wimber, who was the pastor of the church, was shocked and he was, he was really annoyed and he was like, he was trying to make sense of what was happening and he turned to scripture and he looked at where in the Bible have those sort of things happening happened. He also studied church history and past moves of God to see how other godly people discerned the activity of the Holy Spirit around them. And so he was saying, what is going on and why was this happening? And ultimately, the conclusion he came to was to not look at all the, the stuff, the commotion, but to look at the fruit. So that whole passage in Acts 2 is not to just focus on the trembling and the shaking and the falling, but look at the fruit, look at the last bit of what that, that move of God was happening in church, how, how the Holy Spirit was moving amongst people, but then bringing a church together that would be called out to change the world. So we have to let the fruit develop. It's not just about seeing what's going on immediately, but what is going on afterwards so we don't look at how people maybe fall over but we look at what they're like when they've got up again how how is their life different see scripture uses the idea of fruit as a way of evaluating spiritual teaching jesus told how to recognize false prophets by the fruit that you will recognize them so jesus was teaching that any evaluation any kind of look and assessment of what's going on must go beyond those initial expressions or those outward appearances. We look to the fruit. We look at the, the fruit. And the thing about fruit is it takes time to grow and see what, what something will, will become over time. And I was reminded of this. We've, we've had three children. And it was pretty messy. Um, I was kind of a not-so-casual observer. Um, but in the process... It wasn't always tidy. It wasn't always quiet. It wasn't always kind of ordered. <clears throat> Stuff happened, which I'm not sure if I... You're welcome, come in. Uh, the stuff happened, which I wasn't so sure I'd want to see again. But the fruit of that was that we had a baby. 
We had three babies, and they didn't stay as babies. But most people love babies. Most people. Some people don't, and I understand sometimes why. But they don't necessarily, <laughs> they don't necessarily like the details of the whole birthing process. So the birthing of a child can be messy, um, and not many people want to hear about that part. And the same thing applies to revival and renewal. So we love to read and hear about revival, but going through the birthing process of revival and renewal can be messy. Revival can bring all kinds of reactions, some which are positive, some which might be negative, and it's not necessary just to explain everything connected with revival any more than a young mother just needs to share the, the detail of the whole birthing process. But there's a reason why you go through that process, and we look at what the fruit of that is. See, moves of God take us out of our comfort zone, but the thing is, God is not particularly bothered or concerned about your comfort. I'm sorry about that, but he's, he's just not. He's got more important things to do in terms of shaping you and helping you become the person he's called you to be. So all through the Bible, people get taken out of their comfort zone when God moves. Later on in Acts, so we looked at Acts 2, later on in Acts 10, um, Peter um, is asleep on a roof of a house and he has this angelic visit, visit, he has this vision and the voice of the Holy Spirit which sets him up to leave that home and go to a place where he shouldn't really be going. He goes to um, a guy called Cornelius' house and he's out of his comfort zone. He's a good Jew and he's going to a Gentile's house, somebody he shouldn't really be associated with. And the Holy Spirit has been orchestrating this, this moment and when he gets to this house, and you can read all about it in Acts 10, Cornelius has gathered this large group of people, and Peter preaches. And he's finished his, his sermon, and then he says, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. God shook things up, and they began speaking in tongues, they began praising God, in essence, repeated what had happened in Jerusalem in Acts 2. And Peter makes that connection. He may have been a simple fisherman, but he makes a really good connection between what he saw then and something that Jesus said, where John baptized with water, but I'm going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And so when the news of this kind of visitation breaks out to the other apostles and the other believers back in Jerusalem, initially they're shocked. See, the church hadn't yet developed a kind of a theological grid for understanding what was happening in Cornelius' house. And so Peter, like John Wimber, goes back to Scripture, and he goes back to that passage that he talked about in Acts 2. Didn't the prophet Joel say God would pour out his spirit on all people? And even though he might not have fully understood it, even though he might not even have liked it, Peter diffused this kind of anti-Gentile prejudice by saying this in Acts 11, if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, the gift of the Holy Spirit, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could oppose God? Peter is letting God be God. See, sometimes God offends our intellect and makes us feel uncomfortable to move us forward. Peter, in effect, is saying, I know this isn't the way we, we would have done it, but we're not in charge. God is in charge. 
He's filling these people with the Spirit. He's touching them in the same way that he touched us. But let's see what God's going to do next. Let's wait and look for the fruit. So when revival or renewal takes place, all sorts of things can happen. But we don't focus on the things that happen. We look at the fruit that develops. And things about revival and renewal is they come when the the church is at a low ebb. And so all the way through this whole series, we've had that picture of the, the tide coming in. And that's been completely on purpose. Um, see, it feels like sometimes that the tide has gone out. And I've experienced quite a few moves of God in my time. I'm 50 years old now. And there's been a few times where I've seen the power of God and the move of God fill you know, fill people and move powerfully, but it's always been for the purpose of changing culture and meeting the hurts, meeting the brokenness, addressing the isolation and the oppression of people around us. See, God doesn't revive people who have it all together. He revives people who are hungry and thirsty, who are weak and confused, who are hurting, who are desperate, and who are messed up. And the tide is rushing in, and sometimes that can make us uncomfortable. And we wait to see the fruit. So Wimber said this, he said, most of what we have experienced in renewal time in our meetings has been of God. But it's God in humans. I trust God entirely. It's human beings that concern me. Because this doesn't mean that we have to expel every little thing that doesn't have a proof text. Sometimes we have to leave it in the file folder. I just don't know. But nevertheless, when God is moving, let's focus on the fruit that we can clearly demonstrate in Scripture, such as devotional life, witnessing, healing the sick, casting out demons, feeding the poor. And so back in the day, back in that time around the 1970s, uh, John and Carol Wimber, they were talking with two West African pastors. And these West African pastors, they'd experienced a revival uh, in their country after World War II. And they'd heard stories of healings and deliverances and signs and wonders. They'd heard stories similar to what we'd read about in Acts 2. And they expected that there'd been some dramatic miracle that had triggered this revival across West Africa. And so they asked them, so what was it like? What happened? And one of the pastors confirmed that it had started with this mighty work of the Holy Spirit. And so Carol uh, pictured something being, you know, someone being raised from the dead or uh, something equally stunning, like a you know, healing or something. And instead, this pastor said, this mighty move of God was that God showed me my sin. And John and Carol were overwhelmed by the answer. And I remember thinking later, what greater work than being shown your sin? And that's what happens in revival. That's what happened to those people that heard the message of Peter. They're like, what can we do to be saved? What can we do to get right with God? And that's really the normal Christian response to meeting with God. That's the, when you move, you move all our fears. When you move, you move us to tears. It brings us to repentance. It makes us rethink how we've been living. When he draws near, we suddenly see ourselves 
as people with unclean lips and hands. We see ourselves in a way that, that we didn't before, that we're part of the, the darkness rather than part of the light. And so what I'd do is I'd like to finish with um, a couple of things. In a moment, I'm going to invite us all to stand. In a moment, if you want to come down to this space here, there's nothing magical or special about this space here. I just wanted to create some space for us to pray for one another. But when we pray, we don't look just at the manifestations. If somebody falls over, that's one of those things. We'll catch you. We don't look for it. And we don't make it home. We don't push people. I've been in places where that's happened. And there is a stance. If you think someone might push you over, you just put one foot behind you like that (laughs) and one foot in front. Um, I've had to do that sometimes. But that's not going to happen here. But sometimes things happen. We don't look at those things. We look at the fruit. We look at what the person's life is like afterwards. Now, in Galatians 5, um, Paul is writing to this church. They've kind of lost their way. And he paints this picture of this kind of corrupt generation that we've already looked at. He paints this picture of, of where people have gone wrong. And he says, you're not to live like that. You're, you're to show fruit. And he makes this list of what the fruit of the Spirit is. He says it's love, it's joy, it's peace. Remember, joy is what our kids' group are looking at today. It's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, and self-control. So if you're looking at fruit, yes, it's a closer um, kind of walk with Jesus, But it's also, are those things developing in someone's life? Are are you seeing more of that when you're filled with the Spirit? And are you regularly praying, come Holy Spirit, develop this fruit? And the danger is we start to isolate just one of those rather than inviting the Holy Spirit to grow all of those in our lives. We need all of those. See, the fruit of the Spirit grows out of the soil of your soul. And what the Holy Spirit is doing is is changing the very inside of us. And people notice. So when you pray, come Holy Spirit, look for the fruit. Expect to see fruit. Expect to see lives changed. When you encounter the Spirit of God, do you afterwards love Jesus more? Do you believe in him more? Are you more committed to him? And are you more committed to the people that's his church? So, Joe, do you want to just come up just briefly? Got No? So, I think so. So, we were having a conversation. We were having a conversation, and sometimes we don't pray, come Holy Spirit. So, do you want to just share the conversation that you were having the other Wednesday, and then what happened this week? Because the conversation the other week was, was, why don't we pray, come Holy Spirit? 
Yeah, so there's a small group of us that meet at Nick and Vicky's, and um, we had homework of um, offering to pray for someone. And I kind of like work a week in arrears. <laughs> so anyway, I was in Asda um, getting a few things, really directed and stuff. And um, there was a woman in one of the aisles with two very annoying children who were swinging around on those little step things. And you know, when you like just want to get on and do stuff and they're sort of like making a noise. And she was reaching down at, at the bottom and I... I wanted to reach down there, and I said, oh, sorry. And she said, oh, no, I'm sorry. And we did this British thing of who's the more sorry. <laughs> and, uh, and I just kind of like said, it's been a long day, hasn't it? And um, she, just, she just opened up to me, and she talked about the fact that her daughter, who's pregnant, is in hospital, and she's the grandmother of these two boys, and um, she was having to look after them. She's got health issues, and lots of stuff was going on, and she just taught. And it was just... Um, it just kind of like pulled me up to just make time for her to talk. And it just, I just asked, can I pray for you? And um, she said, yes, that would be lovely. And I got to, to pray for her, a very simple prayer. And it kind of humbled me because of how it started. But um, it was really good. And we just had a, a lovely little chat. Thank you. And so my encouragement, the reason why I asked Joe to share that, my encouragement is there's, there's going to be a moment this week where you're going to be in a conversation and you're going to feel that prompting of the Holy Spirit to say to somebody, can I pray for you right now? And let me encourage you not to ignore that, but to go with what the Holy Spirit's doing, to let God be God and let God into that conversation. So going back to Wimber. He said this, he said, it would be tragic if the vineyard family drew back into a safe place where there was no chance of error. So don't ever stop taking risks. Whatever community of faith you are with, allow the Lord to do what he wants to do and through you. The purpose of having a spiritual encounter is always more of Jesus, not what we may look like, not all that may be happening around us. We want him when Jesus chooses to move among us, our heart, heart stance should be more of you, Jesus. We want more of you. And so every time I pray for somebody, every time I pray, come Holy Spirit, it's always to see more of Jesus in someone's life. Always. It's not to see stuff. It's to see more of Jesus So three questions um, for you to think about for this week, and then we're going to pray. How have your experiences affected your expectation of the Holy Spirit? Where are there some fears? Where are there some hang-ups that you might have? Maybe there's some things that you're, you're not opening yourself to the Holy Spirit because of stuff that's happened in your past. And then what practices might help you increasingly bear the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe you've had a conversation this week and you think, I wasn't really showing that much of the fruit of the Spirit. So what things can you do to help develop more of that fruit of the Spirit? How can you be more open to Him? And then where this week is the Holy Spirit inviting you to pray, come Holy Spirit. Thanks for tuning in today. 
We would love to connect with you on a Sunday morning soon. Bless you and have a great week.